Kurt here and Justin are with us. Both live in England in different parts, and it's great to have them with us. Um, and Kurt shared a story on um, Friday night with the young people, and um, as uh, they responded, a number of young people gave their yes to Jesus on Friday night. So can we give the Lord a, a round, a, like a, just an honor of the Lord for... Get glo 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 glory to God, and a number of them just encountered the Lord in quite significant ways. Um, and uh, yesterday morning, a number of them, uh, a number of people went for training in, in evangelism, which these guys were taking part on. And so we just thought it would be great um, for Jonathan speaking in Lurgan this morning. We thought it'd be great for Kurt to come and share his story with us today and speak a little bit to us. Um, and then we'd love to really encourage you tonight to maybe come along to Lurgan tonight. We're going to be um, uh, Jonathan. Is going to be speaking. There's going to be time for ministry and response afterwards. And uh, we've been, for uh, those of you who don't know, there's been a number of people meeting every morning over the last week, half six for an hour, praying for the lost, praying for brothers and sisters, praying for friends, colleagues who don't know Jesus, who we long to see him break into their lives. And so there's a hopeful expectancy that the Lord will continue to move over this weekend. And it will stir us even going forward, not just for this weekend, but for all that lies ahead. Um, and so let's say uh, just open our hearts up to what the Lord might want to do and say, I'm going to ask Kurt to come. I'm going to pray for him for a moment. Why don't you just get, honor him, give him a round of applause. So I'm obviously going to clap a lot this morning. But, um, it's great to have you, Kurt. You're really welcome with us. Um, it's nice to have somebody that makes me look a bit smaller. <laughs> I feel like I'm looking up to you here, but that's, uh, that's good. Um, um, and it's, uh, it's great to have him here. So Lord, we just uh, ask you now, Holy Spirit, that you would um, just anoint Kurt, Lord, for what you uh, want him to share this morning, what you're impressing on his heart. We thank you for what you've done in his life and how, Lord, he has surrendered his life to you to be used as a trophy of grace and of the goodness of the Lord. And so we ask you now, Holy Spirit, come and rest and remain on him as he speaks to us now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Bless you. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Are you okay? Good. Good, good, good. It's great to be with you this morning. It's been a, uh, a privilege to, to join you guys over the last couple of days. As you know, my name is Kurt. I'm, uh, I'm one of the youngsters of Mission 24, the ministry that Jonathan's a part of. I know Justin and some of the guys don't like hearing that, but it is the truth. I am a youngster, really. Um, I've been traveling with John for about four months now, full time. Uh, just a little bit of a backdrop before that, I did seven years in landscape gardening, which was always good graft, kept me honest, and uh, yeah, I had the privilege of leading some of the guys there at work to the Lord, had the privilege of leading some of the customers as well, so really used it, used what the Lord put in my hand in that season of time to reach lives, amen. How many of us know that wherever we are, that's our ministry. You don't necessarily step into the ministry wherever we go. That's an opportunity to share Jesus, to love people, to take what God has done in our lives and to give that away. Amen. The grace that we have received is then the grace that moves us, compels us. It pushes us forward into the world around us to reach people, to change lives, to expose Jesus. Even as Jesus revealed the Father to us, now, by the Spirit, we reveal Jesus to the world. And I just think it's a beautiful invitation that the Lord gives every single one of us. It doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, what it looks like, He wants to use us. Amen? Not so sure? <laughs> you can speak to me this morning, it's all right. He wants to use us, let me tell you, because I am a testimony of that. You know, if there was somebody who felt excluded from it, unable, if there was somebody who just thought, you know, I've got no chance in this thing, it's me. I can relate to feeling weak and feeling broken and actually feeling in and of myself, I've got nothing truly to give. But the truth is that God is faithful and he comes to use the weak things. The Bible actually says that he delights to use the foolish, the push to one side, the excluded, those who think nothing of themselves, those who, who the world thinks nothing of, nothing of, he delights to use those individuals for his glory. It's a beautiful concept that in, his, in our weakness, his strength is perfected. And that's the story of my life. So I just want to take a little bit of time to tell you about his, his faithfulness, 
His grace, his mercy that met me. Like that song sung, I can sing that so true. It cuts so deep, a chorus like that, that grace and mercy found me because I'm a testimony of the faithfulness of God. I was born into a Christian family. I had the privilege of basically everybody in my family was Christians, bar one or two cousins maybe, and maybe a a distant uncle. Um, Everybody believed in Jesus. So I was incredibly blessed, grew up in the church, all things Jesus, all things God, which was just the perfect start in life. But then at the age of three years old, a a trauma, an incident came to the family when I became ill. I was three years old and when I'd be running and darting around, playing around, out of nowhere I'd I'd trip, I'd stumble and I'd fall. So my parents would just kind of watch me because at that age, you know, you're not too sturdy on your feet anyway, but they kept an eye on me. And again, as I'd run and play, I'd trip and fall, nothing in my way, no toys, nothing. So they're watching and they're thinking by this point, there really is something wrong. We need to take him to the doctors. So the doctors said, a few little examinations, they said, no, you need to take your little boy to the hospital for further testing. So things were getting a little more serious. They took me to the hospital. I did further tests and some scans and they said, no, 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 you need to take your little boy to Birmingham Cancer Ward. So they took me to the next hospital. I underwent the CAT scans, the x-rays, all the tests that you can do. And it came back that I did have cancer. I had a tumor on my left leg, just above my knee on a place that's called your growth plate. Things were getting very serious at this point. But my my parents were praying, the church were praying, people overseas and that we were connected to, praying, believing for God to do something in this situation. I remember time was now rolling on and, and things were looking really bleak. The specialist, I'd not had any chemotherapy or treatment up until this point, but it, it, it got to the point where they were saying that they were either going to have to amputate my leg or the cancer was going to spread and ultimately take my life. Something that I know my, my dad really wrestled with. He couldn't imagine his little boy losing his leg or, or worse still, his life. So things were getting serious right now. The heat was on, but the church were praying, family were praying, believing God to do something. And then one day, when I went into the CAT scan for the final time, absolutely incredible, the sovereign move of God. When I went into that CAT scan, power hit that room. A bang took place. And not only did the CAT scan shut down, which if anybody in here is in the medical field, now and again that can tend to happen, the CAT scans do shut down. But not only when the bang hit did the machine shut down, but every computer and electronic device in the room shut off and went off. So they took me out back to my waiting room that I'd been staying in. The technicians came and fixed the machine up and got it up and running again. So I went in a second time. This time it was successful. Back to my waiting room again. Several hours later, the specialists came and they said these words to my parents. They said, we don't know what to say, Mr. and Mrs. Holland, but you have a perfectly healthy little boy. There is no cancer. You see, when, when power hit that room, it's because Jesus came into the room. It's because grace came into that room. The mercy of God met me in that scan. I have the x-rays at home. It's an incredible thing. It's before and after. Before Jesus, after Jesus. Cancer on my knee, you can see it's like shading on an x-ray. Cancer above my knee. And now the new one, no cancer whatsoever. Living testimony of the power of God that heals in these days. The mercy of God that meets us in those moments that we need it most. Jesus is able, even here today, this morning, believing and knowing that Jesus is going to heal bodies in this place. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He, he doesn't change. He doesn't alter. He doesn't go back on his word. He doesn't contradict who he says he is. He remains the same. And what he did for me, he will do for you today. The word testimony actually means God do it again. Even as we testify it, it's almost as if it it compels God to move again and to do for one individual what he did for another. So anyway, I continued in the church. I was blessed in that regard up until the age of maybe 15, 16. I was in the youth events, the youth groups. 
just, you know, I was, I was always there, but I was never too engaged with it all, like many kids tend not to be. I was around all the lingo and all the prayers, and of course, many things were being done inside of me, but really within my own mind, I wasn't embracing who Jesus truly was. I knew about God, as it were, and I knew the phrases, as it were, but I didn't know Jesus on a personal, intimate level. I didn't know him close and intimately and in, in the way that he truly wants to embrace me and truly wants to walk with me and partner with me in this journey of life. So anyway, I found myself going off the rails, which is the testimony of many. I, I was started smoking. Smoking started drinking. Then drinking was once a week, twice a week, three times a week, four times a week. That gave way to smoking weed and what started off as just, again, once, twice a week was now five days, six days, seven days a week. I ended up in the long haul of smoking weed every single day of my life for about four or five years, constant. Could not stop smoking it, which opened up and gave a pathway to harder drugs and cocaine and then the pills and it wasn't just in a week, now it was the weekends, the whole weekend long couldn't sustain or live. All I wanted to do was escape my own mind, escape my own thoughts and my own feelings. It gave way to the pills and the rave scene and festivals and sexual immorality, sleeping around, trying to find fulfillment in any single thing that I could. Addicted to pornography, the things that now are so normal, are so real, are so in your face as acceptable and the right thing to do. They're going to give you freedom. That Nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody can put a limit on where you can go or there's no standard to live up to. A little did I know in a pursuit of what I called freedom, the reality was that I was becoming more and more and more bound. In my pursuit of running free and high, I was becoming more and more lost, crippled, broken. The reality is that the things of this life, maybe for some of you in here today, the things that are around you, the things that people encourage you in or tempt you in or the things that are in your face calling your name right now, passions and lusts and desires, the reality is that you'll never find true freedom in those things. You'll never find life in those places because we will only ever find true life in one place. And it's in a person and his name is Jesus. He is the only source of life. He is the only source of truth, true satisfaction. So I find myself in this place where I am crippled in and of myself. I, I grew up in the church. I grew up in, in primary school and secondary school. Being a bigger guy, I was always quite confident, quite out there, pretty loud, as you can probably tell. I, I, I really was quite free in and of myself at school. But then from the age of 16 to 20, in the space of four very fast, what it sounded like, years, I became so broken, truly losing my, my mind, my ability to think, my ability to reason. I, I remember multiple different things on the journey. I'd, sometimes I'd be pulled over in the car and I'm smoking weed and I, I could actually feel like I could hear screams coming from my boot. Like, which is just sounds stupid, it sounds insane, but I'd actually, I was in such confusion in my mind that I'd be pulled over in the car, and as I'm sat there, I'm, I'm wondering, could, how could somebody have got in the car? How, how could that happen? How could, and this anxiety and this pressure is building and building and building in circumstances that don't even exist. I remember I'd be pulled up in the cars with the guys, and there'd be four or five cars in a row, smoke just pouring out the windows. And bearing in mind, these were the guys that were closest to me. I, I loved these guys and they loved me. I, and I wasn't closer to anybody else. But yet I'd be sat in the back of a car for three, four hours. The people that are closest in my life, but yet so broken that I couldn't physically speak, entering into psychosis. I couldn't actually get a word out to interject in a conversation because my mind was so broken and lost. Psychosis was taking a grip of me. Paranoia was getting worse and worse and worse. Anxiety was through the roof. I never tried to commit suicide, but my days, if I didn't wake up the next morning, I could not have cared less. No purpose, no future, no reason to this life. Yes, I was doing the drugs. Yes, I was sleeping around. Yes, I was doing all these things that are meant to be so incredible and just living life to the full. 
when the reality is that never had I been more broken in those moments and everything that goes up as it were must come down after every bender after every relationship after every single thing you hit the downhill side again nothing truly fulfilling me and this was the reality that I found myself in I had an audible voice every night after I'd been out on the drugs and with the guys I'd get back and I'd hear a voice telling me five years ten years 15 years you're gonna lose your mind look at it you're losing it it's falling apart they're gonna come they're gonna lock you away and at the age of 19 20 at that point the, the fear that came with that to be so young but actually to be so convinced by an audible voice that I was hearing that I was gonna lose my mind and they were gonna lock me away the fear that gripped my heart and my life was unbelievable and it cut me off from any kind of destiny. It cut me off from pursuing anything in life because it was worthless. There was no point. It wasn't going to be long and that was it. It was game over for me. But I praise God that in the midst of this, it's also partnered with the prayers of my parents and the church. And, but there was a season of time where my little sister, bless her heart, she was praying and fasting for me, pleading with God that I'd come home, that I'd come back to the Lord again. And in that season of time, when she was pressing in for my salvation, myself and a friend decided what we thought was randomly to go to a Christian conference. And when we went to that conference, it was obviously the setup of the Lord. It was his working and his timing is perfect. Even for some of you in here today, let me tell you, his timing is perfect. It may seem slow or it may seem hindered. It may seem like you've missed it or you've, you've not quite fulfilled what you thought you would or... I want to tell you, God's timing is perfect and he is able at the right moment to come in to change everything. Amen. The Bible says that he is a redeemer of time. What an incredible thought that is, that actually, despite the decisions and mistakes that we may have done and the things we've been involved in, where we may feel like we've let it go for maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years, maybe there's some in this place, you feel like it's been a, a life partly wasted. The fact that God is a redeemer of time means that he is able to redeem time for you in your life as if you had never stepped outside of his plan. He can supernaturally bring you to a place in your life where he recovers the time that has been lost. It's an incredible thought. It's an incredible reality that's available to us. So anyway, I find myself in this conference, broken, lost, so crippled by my actions because I knew that at the age of three years old, Jesus had healed me of cancer. And to have experienced that and to know the things that I was doing, the places I had been, the lifestyle that I was living before others. Not only that, he put me in a Christian family, great people around me, gave me every, every opportunity to know him and to love him, and I still rejected him. So the weights of, of, of shame and of guilt upon my shoulders in that moment but I remember that as I went into the, it was a big top tent meeting. There's something about tents. Absolutely love it. Really do. I believe in the UK, the days are coming as well. Tent revivals are coming back. I really, I feel it. I see it. There's something about the glory of a tent. And I went under this big top canopy. And as I stepped under there, God knows exactly what we need. And when I stepped under that canopy, I heard the gospel again. And I encountered the Father's love for me, which is just what I needed in that moment. I knew that even after I turned my back on him, even after he'd healed me and saved my life, even after I chose every other option except him, I knew in that moment that the arms of the Father were wide open to me. And I knew instantly in my heart that never again would he hold those things against me and the release that came through that. To know every shame, every mistake, every option that I took outside of him was being removed in this moment. That night I got back to my, to my bed and it was at the time where, um, I think it was the Hellers who wrote it. Have you heard that song, I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear? Incredible song and that was quite new at this moment in time. I remember getting back to my room and getting into my bed and I tell you now, I don't know if it was two hours, three hours, four hours, I played that song on repeat. I am no longer a slave to fear. 
but I am a child of God. The tears that were flowing, I was being delivered of four or five years of chaos. The fear that had gripped me, I was controlled by fear and anxiety. But as I declared, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. All of these weights, all of this tension, all of these things that I had given legal right, as it were, into my life was being delivered and removed from my heart. I woke up that next morning transformed, utterly transformed. My addictions broken off. Some were instantaneous. Some were a bit of a process, a journey, because sometimes God will set you free even here today, this morning. He might set you free from some things. He might set your feet back on solid ground, but there's also a price that has to be paid for that. You have to realize that, yes, we, we, you can be an impact in your world and your friendship group, but you've got to make some decisions about the people that are in your life, those who you surround yourself with. I love that saying, it's, it goes along the line, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And how true that is. And along this process, I was free of addictions. It was broken, but I found myself in a setting where I was still dipping in to see some of the guys. So I was stumbling and I was falling in areas that had ultimately been broken off of me. But I had to make that decision to, to step out, to exit that group, that way of life, and to enter into the purposes of God to live a life that counts for his glory, to be a man that's set apart, nothing to do with who I am in and of myself, believe you me. Think about this, it's God is, it, he's got a sense of humor, how he works, what he does. I couldn't speak to my friends who were closest to me in a car eight years ago, but now he's called me to speak in front of people. It's like the, the, the comparison of what he calls us into. And isn't that wonderful, though, that it, within that, he chooses the things that we are many times weak in to show his glory. What does that mean? It means that you will not be relying upon yourself one step of the way. You are leaning head front into grace. You are leaning head front into the mercy of God, into his strength. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by his spirit. And as we yield in the calling of God upon our lives... His spirit joins with us to empower us to live a life that counts. Amen. It's the grace of God that is available to each one of us. Let's read in Ephesians 2. It's incredible. I only want to pull a few points out of this. The calling that God brings us into. I want to, I'm a simple guy, so I, I, I speak pretty simply. <laughs> but I believe it's powerful. Ephesians 2. It says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. I want to pause there. We can tend to read Ephesians 2 very quick. It's, I mean, it's such good stuff. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins conducting ourselves in the world systems, the world schemes, the world's ways under the power of the evil one. But when Jesus came, he brought us from death to life. The grace of God was made available to us so that men and women like you and me would be utterly transformed from one position into another transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We had one destination, we had one finishing line that was ahead of us before Jesus, before the grace of God, and that was ultimate separation from God. Every single one of our lives, if we are not in his grace, if we have not been transformed, if we have not received this invitation, there is only one final destination, an eternity separated from the God that made and loved us the one who formed us. And that is the road that we found ourselves on. And the reality of this, I believe so strongly, it should be a daily reality to us. It should be a weekly thing that stands before us, never to settle, never to remain in the, in the area where we say that we've got it made now, God has saved us, we are all together. But actually, we should live under the shadow of the cross every day of our lives. The reality of the grace that made us alive. 
the one that came and reached us where we were, the one who changed the whole direction and course of our journey. That's a good place to say amen. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? I know it's simple terms, but I'm a simple guy. It's powerful. We were on the track of sin, of iniquity, of shame, no identity, no purpose, no reason. But God came by his grace and now we have been made alive. Glory to God. And what does that now look like in our daily lives? How does that play out? What does the grace of God do to his people? Does it keep us just within a church service? Does it make us just feel better, make us feel secure? All these things are great. It's not one without the other. It's both and. The grace of God pulls us in. It calls us into him, our identity in him. But the grace of God is always meant to move us forward. It's always meant to propel us into further things, greater things, things beyond our, our tent, things beyond our, our, our barriers, our walls where we currently find ourselves. The Bible says that we go from glory to glory, faith to faith. An incredible scripture right there in the Greek, it's talking about the tense of God brings us to a place of glory and every area and part of our lives, he wants to bring them also to the level of glory. And when our our being, who we are, in the multiple places and areas of our lives, when we reach that level of glory, then he wants to advance us and move us forward again. Incredible that the Lord wants to come and move in all these areas of who we are to then propel us forward. Moving from glory to glory, faith to faith. Not because of what we can do, but because of the grace that has been supplied. Amen. Because it only ever started with grace. It only ever started with grace. It was never once about works, what we could do. It says further down. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Glory to God. What's he also done? Raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Never of works. Never of what we could do to earn it. But then in the next verse, it flips that statement on its head. We are saved by grace. Never of what we did to earn it. But then it says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Isn't that incredible? It's not by works, it's by grace that met us. We could never earn these things by the things that we do, but it's grace that empowers us. Now that we have received that grace, what is then the response? This is the heart of what I want to get across. What is the life response for every single one of us? Now that we've received that gift, is to work from that place in good works now. Formed for good works, formed for multiplication. Form four, that seed that has been implanted, the word, the encounter, the revelation that you have been given is given to you then to multiply and reach out again. This is the kingdom of God. Every time seed is sown, it's to bring multiplication. It's to move forward in the purpose of God. It is never to remain where we find ourselves. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's incredible there, the word workmanship in the Greek means, is the word poema. It means poem. We are God's poem. The Father sees us as his writing, as his masterpiece, as his work of art, a story laid out before him. Isn't that wonderful? And maybe that doesn't feel like a reality too much for you right now, but God is inviting you afresh to come into this, 
to view your life as the storyline of God, as the plans and purposes that he has before you. A life that is fulfilled is a life that is working in the lane that God has prepared before you. Not looking to another and the grace on their life. Not looking in this direction to what these people are doing over here. Never in a lane of comparison or being competitive. Walking in your lane with the good works already prepared before you. That is the place of ultimate satisfaction. And that is where the grace of God is available to every single one of us. I believe that for you guys this morning. God wants to place that dream inside of your heart. Maybe for some it, was, it once was a calling. It was once a, a, a something that God put in there, but life came in. Circumstances came by. Maybe people altered things in your life. Maybe it was something in your youth or years ago that was there, but it, it feels like it's faded, it's been crushed, it's been pushed to one side. Maybe it's something that you're right now in this moment battling with and wondering, can you do it? How's it going to work out? What can I do in this area? I want to tell you God is in this place today. Jesus is here by his spirit and he's wanting to breathe life on those things again. Because how many of us know that time is running out? The days are closing in. Jesus says these incredible words in the scriptures. He says, work while it is day. For night is coming when no man can work. There's an appointed time coming when it's all over. There's a day coming when no one else can be saved. When the gospel will not be preached again. Where family members or loved ones or a nation or a people group will not be reached. There's a day coming where we will not be able to fulfill the works, the callings, the grace of God that is upon our lives. So Jesus is calling with a cry from his heart in these days, it is time to be about his business. These are the days to be about the works of God. If ever there was a time for God's people to be disattached from the world, it's right now. How many of us know that these times are a shaking? COVID, the pandemic, all that's going on around us right now, every single thing the scripture says, every single thing that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And we see the evidence of that around us right now. And in a time of great shaking, what is God doing? He is fortifying his people. He is strengthening his people. He's not coming back for a week, for a rejected, for a push to one side people. No, he's coming back for a bride that are without spot or wrinkle, that are glorious, that are victorious, that are the head and not the tail. That is the body of Christ. And that is the church that Jesus is coming back for. So I want to encourage you again today, it's time to be about his business. Those limitations, those restrictions over your life, what people may have said, what you may have been battling with, things that are present in your family or those around you right now, I want to tell you they will not limit you if you will put your trust in Jesus. They will not stop you from the call and the plan of God upon your life if you will yield to him, if you will say yes again, if you will surrender. Amen. The fire of God is moving in these days. And many times that isn't comfortable. And at times we don't quite know what's happening. But the fire always comes to purify. It comes to bring up all the dross, all the impurities to the surface. Like when you put fire through gold, through silver. It brings all the impurities to the surface. Things that shouldn't be there. Fire comes and it's raised up and it's cast away. God is in the process right now with his people pouring out his spirit, pouring out his fire, shaping things up, strengthening things, cutting things away that shouldn't be there. Amen. The pruning of the Lord. Maybe things that you held dear that you thought were of God, but it didn't quite work out. Maybe the Lord has come and he's pruned that thing, he's cut that thing off because he's got a new branch that wants to bear more fruit, the scripture says. And he's wanting to cut these things away from our lives in these days. That we would be a pure people. That we would be a set apart people. That we would be a bride 
groom, a bride, sorry, ready for the bridegroom. Amen. Listen to this in Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.20, 20 to 22. Bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> it says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, being dishonor, he will be a vessel of honor and he will be sanctified and useful for the master. Check this, it says, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. What does your life look like this morning? On the altar of God, on the, as it's placed in that furnace, in that fire. Does it look like a, a vessel of honor to him? Does it look like a vessel of dishonor? What is it that your heart is given to? What is it that your time's given to? The places that you turn to in the week days, week in, week out. As the Father looks down, does he see a life that he says, look, I can use that one. I want to put my spirit in that one. He's, he's, he's turned over to me. She's turned over to me. She's surrendered to me. And because she's done that now, she is useful. She's prepared. He is prepared for every good work that I have in store for him. What a shame. What a crying shame that God has prepared a road before every single one of us. A journey and an adventure beyond what we can imagine. But yet if we live in a life of dishonor and we don't live in the way that he has called us to live, we cut ourselves out of walking in his plans and purposes. When he wants nothing more than to fill your life with his spirit, than to take you from where you were on a road to death, on a road to destruction, aimless, void of meaning, void of purpose, but now he's transported you into the kingdom of the son that he loves, placed everything he had upon that cross, wasn't passive it was active love Jesus didn't just talk a good game say amazing words he wasn't just a, a great teacher he was a life lived he was a demonstration he was the word and he lived revealed the word he said what he was going to do and he lived that out before us and he gave every single thing that he had in order that you would come to him that you would rely upon him, that you would step into the grace that he has made available and that you would run with it, that you would give yourself to it completely. No compromise, no times for turning to the side, only a vision moving forward into his plans, only a vision moving forward into the things that he's laid before you. Eyes that are looking above and not beneath. This is what Jesus is calling you into today, a life that counts in eternity. Amen. I often use this analogy in evangelism. We look at this life and it's like, picture it as a, 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 a drop of water. 60, 70, 80 years if you do really well many times. And we are so focused on this one drop of water, but we're about to drop into an endless ocean of eternity. And we're investing everything and, and giving ourselves to everything in this drop of water. But yet there's an eternity that each one of us are going to step into. And are you allowing your life to be a life of honor before the Father that as you step in, you fulfill those things that he had for you? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. We're all going to stand before him that day. Every single one of us in this room, whether you know Jesus already, whether you don't, give an account for the life that we have lived. And that should never put shame or pressure that, should, that shouldn't be a statement that makes you feel guilty. It should bring a conviction in your heart maybe right now. But it brings the grace to say, look, there's more. And today is a fresh day. 
The Bible says that mercy woke us up this morning. What are we going to do with the mercy that wakes us up in the morning hours? We're going to use it for his glory. Be a people of his plans and purposes. Available, ready, prepared for every good work. I wonder if there's anybody in here today and you don't yet know Jesus. Maybe you've heard about my testimony. Maybe you've heard about the testimony of others in this place. You've heard things said and you've, you've heard songs sung, but you've never experienced this one who we're talking about. I want to tell you he's in this place today, right here and right now. And he's calling you right where you are. And he's asking you to come. There isn't one thing that will hold him back from you. There isn't one thing that you have done that will stop you from getting to him. Jesus says that the one who comes to me, I will by no means turn away. What does that mean? You can have confidence this morning that if you come to Jesus, he will by no means turn you away. He will receive you. He will forgive you. He will make you whole. See, we've all made mistakes. We've all got it wrong. We've all fallen short, the Bible says. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's every single one of us. We all miss the mark. But there's one that never did, and his name is Jesus. He never missed. He never failed. He never got it wrong. And the price of our sin is death. So a price had to be paid. But praise God that he was the only one who could set that price. And he was the only one who could pay it. Not only did he set it, he paid it. And now he gives us an invitation out of its consequences. Because he lived perfect life. Sinless in every way. Took the guilt, the shame, the weight of the world upon his shoulders. The sin of all mankind he took to that cross. They didn't take him there. He took himself. He laid down his life for you and for me. He cried out these incredible words. He cried out, it is finished. Your sin, my sin, every separation between mankind and the Father, everything that stood in the way, it has been overcome on that cross. Jesus cried out, it is finished. Never will there be separation between mankind and God again to the one who comes to Jesus. Paid the price fully. On the third day, raised again. How could he be raised? Death had no dominion over him. The wages of sin is death. Death couldn't keep him in the ground. He had never sinned. He had never failed. He was raised by the power of the Spirit the third day. Now seated at the right hand of God on high. And to each and to any that would come, the Bible says, he gives the right to become children of God. I want to tell you today that if you would come to him, if you would believe in your heart this Jesus... And you would confess with your mouth him as Lord. The Bible says that you shall be saved. It says they who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Incredible. The Greek word for sozo there means to be saved from sin. To be healed physically. To be made whole and delivered in wholeness of your life. It isn't just speaking of the word for sin there. I want to tell you there is an invitation today for the forgiveness of your sin. For the saving of your soul, yes, but for the healing of your body. For a fresh touch and encounter of the Lord. And it all comes through one avenue. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's through this fountain, this well of grace. Through his cross. Through the price that he has paid. I want to tell you he's in this place today. And he is calling you. Should we stand in the presence of God? If maybe the worship band want to come back up, that would be amazing. And this truly is the Jesus that is amongst us. The one who takes somebody found in his sin and his shame, found separated from God, cut off from his plans and his purpose and his supply of life, but yet he calls him into what he has. He calls him into the kingdom calls him to be an example, to be a demonstration, to be a life lived. And the one who's done that in one, who, the one who does it in, in an individual, in one place, is the one who is faithful to do it in every individual that would come. There is power in his name to heal today. 
There is power in his name to forgive. We had the privilege of going on a mission trip to Argentina, a place called Santiago del Estero, about, three, about four months ago. And it was the campaign night. And on the second night, about 4,000, 5,000 people in this open auditorium. And I tell you, the thing that I noticed in this setting, what I truly realized in, in, this, in this moment as I was stood at the back with a friend called Josh, the people in this place were desperate. The people in this place had a hunger and a desire and a longing to be touched by God. The Bible says, blessed are they who hunger and who thirst for righteousness. For they, that person, that individual, they shall be filled. And the people were hungry. They were leading the blind. They were carrying the lame. They didn't have wheelchairs. They were carrying their relatives. The maimed and the lame, they were coming in desperation to this service. The gospel was preached. The power of God was there. Souls were being saved. Healings were taking place because God was meeting faith. If you will but come with faith to him today, he will give you what you need. Because he is able and he responds to hunger and he responds to faith. I had the privilege of praying with a woman. We were going down the line person by person. You have to move quite quickly in this setting. And I prayed for a woman. She had double cataracts in both eyes. Couldn't see a thing. Quite an elderly woman. So I prayed my best prayer as you do. In the name of Jesus, eyes open. Receive your sight. Remove my hands. She said she could see a little more. I said, right, okay, it's working. Let's go again. Prayed again. Eyes open in the name of Jesus. Receive your sight right now. Remove my hands again. Now she's getting more animated. Where it was darkness, then she was seeing shadows. Now she's seeing movement. She can't fully see, but things are starting to happen. I said, let's pray one more time. I put my hands on her. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Eyes be fully restored right now. Lifted my hands off of her eyes and she looked. Tears streaming down her face as she said, I can see three lights on the platform over there. I said, what else can you see? She said, I can see that man in the white shirt 30 meters away. The power of God moving. The power of God working. Where they have come with faith, he's meeting them in that place. Prayed for another guy down the line, put my hands on him. And again, an elderly guy, dementia, severe back issues in a chair. Prayed the power of God into him. Prayed for the grace of God. Carried on down the line. Ten minutes later, as I turn round, who is it who's tapping me on the shoulder? It's this guy who was in the chair, singing and dancing and clapping his hands, praising God, completely restored. I want to tell you the God that works in Argentina, the God that works around the world, is the same God in this place today, right now. The one who responded to that hunger and desire right there will respond to you as you come to him. I want to tell you, he is here for you today. He's calling you today to take that one step of faith. Had the privilege of praying with a guy in a mission in Oxford recently. This guy had been in a retreat and he'd just come out of it, recently come to the Lord. He fell 30 feet out of a window and he'd broke his back 11 weeks earlier. In severe pain, couldn't get up and out of the chairs properly. He had a skin condition over him. Able to pray for him in that moment and he was, he was new to the faith. He was ready. He believed in Jesus. He knew he was forgiven and he was wanting it. Pray for me. I believe I'll be made whole. Put my hands on him in that moment. Braid and joined with his faith. As he stands up, all the pain is gone. There is no more symptom of that broken back. And the skin condition that was on his arms and over his chest was beginning to disappear. That guy went on in the next few days to lead his first person to Jesus. The following day, he led three people to Jesus. I want to tell you right now, if you encounter God, it will change everything. If you encounter his forgiveness, it will change everything. If you encounter his healing, it will change everything. And Jesus has done everything that he needed to. All that you have to do is to come today is to receive this free gift, is to receive this invitation with every head bowed and every eye closed. 
if there is anybody in this place and you do not yet know this Jesus, if you have never prayed to receive him into your heart, you've never received this forgiveness, you've never known this love, but you want to, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And if there is anybody in this place and you know, you already know Jesus, but you've not been living rightly, there's been things in your life that haven't lined up, I want you to pray this prayer with me also to give your heart again to the Lord. And he will meet you in that place. For everybody else, let's pray together to support those who are. Let's pray this from the heart right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care for me. I believe that you died. And on the third day, that you rose again. I'm asking you, Jesus, right here and right now, save me, forgive me, wash me. Today, Jesus, I choose to serve and to love you, to follow you all the days of my life. I thank you, Jesus, that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe just for another moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. I maybe want to ask the prayer team if you want to come forward, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you if that is you in this place, and you prayed that prayer for a first time or for a recommitment, I want you to take this step with me right now. I want you to raise your hand in the air. In three, two, one. Is there anybody in this place and you prayed that prayer for the first time or in recommitment of Jesus? Now's your moment right now. He's calling you right now. Today is your day. The Bible says now is the appointed time. He's calling you today. If that is you, don't let this moment pass you by. Never will you make a greater decision. Never will you do something that means more. He's calling you today. Now is your time. I want to give one invitation. If you feel him calling you, you feel him stirring in your heart, raise a hand right now. And we want to pray with you and for you. He's calling you today calling you to come in a moment we want to call up maybe a few words of knowledge and things but I think we've got to close the meeting for now